Welcome to episode 10 of We Are All Americans, conversations about how family stories are passed down from generation to generation and what it means to be American in the context of multiculturalism, immigration, military service, Black Lives Matter, white privilege, and indigeneity. I'm your host, Michelle Jacquis, and I'm here with Michael Rippins in my studio in the Chinatown neighborhood of Los Angeles. Welcome, Michael. Hi. Nice to be here. Um, so I know you had originally come today to help photograph for the Made in L.A. events. Or, or observe. Or yeah. observe and help somehow. Um, and I ripped you into having a conversation. Can you tell me a little bit about your family and where where they your ancestors originated from and how they came to the United States? Um, sure. Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm actually really excited to be able to participate. Good, um, good. Yeah. So... Uh, my mother is from the Philippines. Uh, my father um, is from South Pasadena, California, uh, but his parents immigrated from the Netherlands. Oh. Um, and they met when uh, he was, my father was living in the Philippines for about 12 years as a, working as a Franciscan brother uh, oh, kind wow. of on mission in uh, this kind of uh, small rural village in the Philippines um, where he got to know my mother and her family. Hmm. Um, and they eventually married and came back to the States and set up a home and raised their family back in South Pasadena, California. And that's where you grew up? Which is where I grew up. Same. So you grew up in the same town your father did? Yes. Oh. Yes. Um, so there were a lot of driving around the city being told like what store used to be this thing and you know what how, used to be there how and, the city changed right and, and yeah yeah actually his family had a uh, dairy farm in the Arroyo Seco I don't know if you're familiar with a South Pasadena yeah. which is now like city owned like soccer fields in the park area um, and then his father and uncle were also uh, they did some brickwork as well so a lot of buildings he'll point out or oh. walls around the town that you know his um, his family built but his yeah his first job was uh, delivering milk like around the area for his from the dairy for the farm. dairy yeah that's cool um, but yeah I guess more about the ancestor part of it so um, so his parents I came through Ellis Island mm-hmm. um, you know around th- that time I mean he he was like much much older um, so I I don't know the years really about when when his family came over um, kind of a funny story so his um dad was friends with a, a group of guys that were like all brothers uh-huh. and um they they were sent to um the states to meet up with a group of sisters who also came from the netherlands um to kind of like meet them and get married so he was just like tagging along so he ended up like meeting you know one of the the women and, and getting married and settling um uh-huh. in the states so they were kind of, I guess, young, single um, people when okay. they uh, immigrated to yeah. the States. And somewhere in the Midwest, I forget exactly where it was initially, and then um, ended up somehow in, in L.A. There's a lot of those pieces of those stories that are huge gaps that I'm not really have familiar you, with. Have you been to the Netherlands or to the Philippines? Um, yes, I uh, went to the Netherlands recently. Well, I mean you know, within the last 10 years, yeah. um, just on a vacation. So I didn't really meet or see any family, mm. but I, um, did go to the, t- 
town where my grandmother is from. It was Harlem, which is near Amsterdam, which is where I was staying. And um, I think my grandfather was from a town called Den Helder, which is kind of more to the north, uh-huh. uh, more like a coastal town. And um, I went to the Philippines once when I was very young, so I was about five or six. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't been back since, um, but I hope to go soon. Um, this December, actually, I'm going back. But I have really, even though I was young, I have really um, vivid memories of the Philippines because I think it was probably the first place I ever ever traveled when I was, mm. you know. And I would imagine kid. it's different enough from South Pasadena that, yeah. that it's very it different. made an impression. Right. Um, so I'll still, like, smell, like, you know, some, like, burning sage or something that will, like, bring me back to visiting a, um, like, a, a cemetery or something, yeah. uh, you know, in the it's Philippines. It's amazing how or much... bridge we are crossing. Or, it's amazing how much um, scent triggers memory. Right. In, like, a really vivid way. Yeah. Um, but I was always much closer to um, my Filipino side mm. of the family mm. um, growing up. So um, my mom was the oldest of about, what, seven sisters and brothers. Mm. Um, and my dad, I think, had five siblings, and he was the youngest. Um, but there's quite a difference in age between them. I think my dad was about 16 years older than my mom. Mm. So most of his family was like, old, like, you know, his, um, siblings' children were, could be my parents, basically, in terms of, like, the, um, difference in age. So, you know, I had adult cousins, basically. Um, and on my mom's side, like, her youngest sister was almost, like, could have, was maybe, like, five years older than my older brother. So, we were really, you know, kind of close in age, uh, there. And did did your mom's siblings all come to the U.S. as well? Eventually, um... Yeah, so, actually, my grandfather, my mom's father, um, during World War II, he was a um, guerrilla fighter for mm. um, the United States. I don't know how, if they're, like, conscripted somehow, or they, they make some deal. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. When, uh, I, I guess, some of the Japanese, you know, had invaded the Philippines, and so they, you know, utilized um, local and native, you know, people in the Philippines to fight, like wage guerrilla warfare against the um, occupying Japanese forces. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard kind of like the whole thing with the Philippines army being promised, you know, like the U- United States basically said, you know, you'll get full like military benefits, you know, and veterans rights and, you know, money and pay and all that. And did that um, all Which never, never, never kind of came to fruition. Um, huh. However, he was able to come to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what like status he was in terms of citizenship hmm. or not, but he was able to bring his wife his wife over and then um, petition his children. Hmm. So um, my mom, because she married an American, was able to come. You know, with my dad, move to the states. Mm-hmm. So, so her and I remember my grandfather and grandmother were here, and slowly um, her like adult um, sisters actually some. Some of them, like her, her youngest sister, I think was like sixteen or something. Wow! I remember when she came came to the states. That's it's still such a, a child, hard, and that's such a hard. Like I just remember you and my family moving from New York to Florida when I was eleven, and how resistant I was to that. I, like as a sixteen year old, that must have been a, a tough 
Yeah, I think she moved because you've got your friends and you're figuring out who you are at that age. Right. I I know one thing that, uh, speaking with her, I mean, we're fairly close, um, that she brings up a lot, so I assume she kind of had a hard time with, was that she was, like, at a higher grade when she was in the Philippines. And um, when she came to the States, they put her in a lower grade because that's what her age group was so she was like a sophomore or something and she was like I'm already a senior oh, <laughs> you know like yeah, in high school and, and then of course like not knowing anyone and you know kind of being very, very like um maybe insecure about like you know, speaking English or you know mm-hmm. um anyways and, it, and it's very interesting because they also have like American culture is um huge in the Philippines and they she, you know, have an idea of, like, what it is to be, like, American or live in L.A., right? And it's kind of it's, like a TV yeah, movie version say it's, of it. Yeah, it is that Hollywood export. Right. Um, and I feel, I mean, I don't know, not to get too into my aunt's kind of psyche, but I think right. she always had that kind of idea of, like, you know, getting, like, the cool convertible car and living by the beach and, you know, like, kind of like a, <laughs> like a Housewives of Beverly Hill type of idea of what it is to be American or, you know, living in LA and trying always to like achieve or emulate. Yeah. Do you feel like she reached that or is she disappointed or disillusioned by what America is? I think she's, she's doing it on some level. Yeah. Um, achieving that. Wow. I mean, I don't, I'm not in in her head, but, um, no, yeah, it's, that's kind of, it's, yeah, it reminds me when I, I studied abroad in Ireland in the, in 96 Mm -hmm. and a lot of the Irish people that I met there were, would talk about Baywatch and Mm -hmm. thinking, and when I said, oh yeah, I was a lifeguard in college, but like at a public pool and they were like, like Baywatch, like all excited. And I was like, no, 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 it's running in slow motion and a red Yeah. It's sort of strange (laughs) the, that sense of how. American culture gets translated through mass media to and popular culture to other mm-hmm. places in the world, and what that expectation of what we are right. sets up. And and you had also kind of mentioned um, before uh, we were recording about yeah. kind of ideas of what Amer- American means. Yeah, uh, you know, what do you think American. about that? Um, but just something I've noticed in uh, you know the Filipino culture that I've been exposed to. Um, that they call anybody who's not, or basically anybody who's white, American. So, ah. you know, they're like, oh, and, and, you know, we're hanging out with that American. It's like, oh, wait, they're, they're maybe they're Canadian or they're, they live in the <laughs> Philippines or, you know, wh- whoever it is. if they're white. Or maybe if they're Chinese and they're visiting from the United States, like, they're not American necessarily. Oh, that's interesting. So they have this, you know, kind of, I don't know, like white yeah. kind of yeah this idea of like this white America image um, as what it what America is essentially mm-hmm. um, and then also um, thinking that that's better you know not just that that's what America is but it's superior because you know yeah. like this white aesthetic so there you know there's like a lot of skin lightening going on mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. hearing stories of um, like teenagers or kids putting um uh, clothes pins like on their noses to make them like p- try to make them pointier. Oh. 
you know, because they like that aesthetic of, like, the European, wow. you know, like, a, a skinny, pointy nose. So, yeah, anyone that was kind of, like, fair-skinned or more, like, white-seeming mm-hmm. were considered, mm-hmm. like, you know, more beautiful or more attractive. Yeah, I've seen that in other... My sister lives in India, and she's talked about the billboards there mm-hmm. and often have lighter-skinned people in the advertising and in billboards. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, it's it's kind of horrifying to think about that as, I guess, a um, result of the pervasiveness of white supremacist culture. Like, mm-hmm. Even if it's not ill-intended, that that, that becomes the the beauty standard is right. pretty horrific and, and through pop culture yeah 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 um, as well so you know like huge fans of American movies American music mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of my grandmother who lives in South Pasadena um, basically has like Filipino TV on you know all of her waking hours uh-huh. like at the house um, and so I'll sometimes catch glimpses of uh, Filipino TV shows, and a lot of them are just one-to-one rip-offs of, like, U.S. Oh, wow. shows. <laughs> like, sometimes, like, even with, like, the same title and name, but just with, like, Filipino actors and actresses. Um, you know, just Well, I mean, and the U.S. Like, does the it US to films. foreign movies, right? Right, yeah. We, we make stuff all the time. I used to feel really annoyed by that, and then that sense of, like, why can't Americans just watch a foreign film and if you don't know the language read the subtitles and why do we have to remake them over and over again Mm -hmm. and then I took this translation seminar class at Otis in our grad writing program Mm -hmm. and they talked about it more in as a way of translating and thinking Mm -hmm. about not just translating from one language to another but translating it culturally that there's I'm sure there's certain things right that that from one culture to, to another where a little colloquialism or a joke doesn't make sense but you may or if you're even just going from one city to another changing things to make in that right. remake of the film or the TV show to make it make more sense right right yeah and but it, yeah it's a strange yeah but I mean even beyond just like dramas or comedies like a like a reality show set up or a game wow. show or something wow. um, yeah yeah that version but you know Phil Filipinos kind of on the most part are super talented you know in arts and like you know singing and dancing and yeah. you know it um, gets acting. at it makes me also think about the I talk about this with my students a lot the need for representation across in media that's not just like with, we talked about like the whole Oscar so white mm-hmm. um, controversy mm-hmm. over the last few years and that that if if people else other than white people are not represented in popular culture and film and television and commercials and billboards or whatever, then that is what keeps that standard. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of had that experience growing up as well. Because, really? I mean, outside of my two brothers, I didn't know anybody who was Filipino-Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, there certainly mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, a movie star yeah, that's or a really someone unique on TV. combination. Or, or even, like, a friend at school, you know, or a group of people that mm-hmm. I could hang out with and identify with. So I never felt like I belonged in any group. Even mm-hmm. at my, you know, my dad's family reunions, we were, like, this weird little offshoot, you know? Like, you know, this short Filipino... You know, Dutch people are all, like, seven feet tall, right? <laughs> so, you know, my mom's, like, you know, 
you know, 5.0 on, like, a good day. Like, um, and uh, at the Filipino parties, you know, like, we're the kind of, like, the white, you know, we don't speak any Filipino. My mom was really, uh, you know, um, when they moved here in the late 70s, you know, she faced a lot of kind of racism and mm-hmm. um, wanted, was encouraged to raise her kids, like, as Americans. Wow. Not as, like, you know. Filipinos, yeah. So we weren't taught the language. Um, you know, she was making like spaghetti. You know, <laughs> or like I mean, she, still with like rice on the side, of uh-huh. course. Yeah, or like bacon and eggs and rice. Um, and really, you know, I guess we were trying to. Did she start the putting American butter experience. in the rice? Um, I always feel like that's the other like oh. thing that my Asian <laughs> friends make fun of Americans for. <laughs> well, there is. There's this fried rice dish uh, called kalakala, which you have butter, oh, okay. in it. but it's kind of like like day old rice or something. It's really hard or something. Oh, it's so fried it's up just with soy sauce. It, and, like, yeah, it's kind of because I yeah I had a friend in grad school who was Vietnamese and she made a lot of work about rice as this cultural uh-huh. signifier and and for her like butter was she was just sort of horrified that. Americans would put butter in rice. It. <laughs> She's yeah. like, why does it need butter? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you get weird food hybrids, but I mean, part of, I guess, my Americanizing experiences. I mean, I, there's a lot of Filipino foods I don't really like because I didn't have mm. like a taste for it because I wasn't exposed to it. I guess um, yeah. early on. Yeah. Um, What's Dutch cuisine like? I don't know much about it. <coughs> Excuse me. Or do you know? <coughs> um, there was one. I mean, we're. I was kind of like two generations removed from the Dutch culture because okay. my dad wasn't wasn't born there. So he didn't speak the language, and there was just, like, a few things that he remembered, um, like, little, uh, maybe, like, nursery rhyme kind of, uh, mm-hmm. kind of things, um, and there was one dish that my mom made, because when they first moved back, I think, they lived with my grandmother, mm. uh, my dad's mother, okay. yeah, in South Pasadena. Uh, it's called brownabona, mm. and it's basically baked beans with chopped up bacon and you mix the beans and bacon together in a bowl and then you have all these little sides like chopped up pickles and onions and I think mm. you could put like uh, maple syrup or honey or some, some sort of you know some sweet thing on it and you just kind of like eat this you know mm. bowl of mm-hmm. gussied up beans basically so I remember that as you know <laughs> maybe like the one um, Dutch-ish dish we ever ate um, my dad also always would make like sauerkraut with like a sausage and mashed potatoes. That was kind of like the, his one huh. culinary contribution that he would make when my mom was like working nights or something. And he was tasked with the making dinner. But I don't know if I was, I mean, that seemed kind of like German. Yeah. I'm sure there's some crossover. Probably. Yeah. So you, I have no idea what Dutch, I really don't know much about Dutch culture. At all. At yeah. all. Yeah. You, you hinted at this a little bit where you were talking about you know, spending time with your Dutch side of the family and, and feeling outside um, and not finding anyone else who's who's half Dutch, half Filipino. Um, can you talk a little bit more about about that experience of sort of being in a in like a hybrid culture or third culture? Um, sure. Yeah. My high school that I went to in South Pass was actually. It was about fifty percent white and fifty percent like Asian, mm. different Asian uh, culture, uh, ethnicities, or races. 
and um, I kind of felt, I guess because I was half white and half Asian, that I could hang out with with everybody, and yeah. so. Um, you know, growing up, you there would just kind of be these natural cliques of, like, the Asian kids hanging out, especially if they're, you know, more recent immigrants. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And be, because there were fewer of them there, you'd have, like, Mexican hit kids or black kids all kind of, like, hanging out. And there's these racial cliques that happen. So I never really ended up hanging out in a racial clique. Mm-hmm. The, um, well, because I didn't have one. Like, I wouldn't know which, way, you know, which one to choose. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure how people perceived of me necessarily Mm -hmm. it's like if I went to hang out with the Asian kids it would be like oh he's one of us or it's like okay we're gonna accept this guy who's kind of different um he's not Mm -hmm. quite quite an Asian guy um and I'm sure like the white kids didn't think I was you know just like a white guy uh also but I I hung out with people I guess through activities like people I played soccer with or people that were in like honors classes or in like on yearbook staff or you know those types of breakdowns and it wasn't like a racial mm-hmm. one necessarily but I guess I don't know it, it maybe it was just my personality and not a, a something having to do with like mixed ethnicity um but I did kind of feel like I was just like a freelance friend like I knew people and was friendly with someone in like almost every group like I could hang out with the nice. nerds go hang out with like jocks go hang out with you know like the uh I don't know foreign exchange students and like I just felt like I don't know if um everybody was just like okay with me because they didn't know what I was or <laughs> like uh, uh, but uh, yeah I kind of but I, I guess on the flip side of that coin I didn't feel super close necessarily you know mm-hmm. like or connected with like strongly with any you know like one group of people mm-hmm. um it was always you know I had a bunch of, like, Jewish friends, right, that, you know, we would hang out and play and, like, make videos and do stuff, yeah. but, you know, I wasn't getting invited to, like, the bar mitzvah, uh-huh. you know? Um, that was, like, the other Jewish friends were, were going mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's kind of, like, an example. Like, we're close and we're friends, but we're not, you know, close, close, close. Yeah, I understand. Like, our families aren't, like, hanging out or going to each other's houses or meals, or, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you think it means to be American? Um, wow, that's something I don't really think of, mm-hmm. I guess, when I'm thinking of, like, identifiers for right. my personality, uh-huh. um, because America is so rich and diverse that I'm not, um, I guess, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but, yeah. you know, there's so many, like, different groups and categories and, like, ways, um, or types of people in this country already like that's such like a rich discussion or you yeah, know yeah. um uh topic to like delve into that like oh i just accept of course we're all american <laughs> here like that's not you know like, i just feel like if someone's here they're american um mm, mm-hmm. in this country i guess well, and and does that maybe because i don't matter travel internationally that needs, much. does that matter even if citizenship status or anything it's just you're here and you're part of the culture you're american um, yeah, I, I guess on one, it depends on, you know, if I want to get, like, technical or legal. Right, um, right. But, I mean, through my family, like, I certain certainly know and have, like, you know, know people or have family even that are here, like, on visas that, that have run out and they're, yeah. um, oh, what, there's a term that my mom uses 
in uh, her dialect for for someone who's here who's basically running from like the authorities or mm-hmm. like staying mm-hmm. staying hidden. I forget what it is, but it it basically means like they're like um, like hiding or like mm-hmm. running and hiding um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So or you know I've known people that have like gotten married you know like made marriage deals so they could like get I know like, I do too um, you know citizenship and stuff so because maybe I have that like personal connection and family connection mm-hmm. you know I have a different definition of like oh, okay like who is a true American it's like all of us sure yeah like <laughs> I mean America is kind of like here I feel for, for you know it's like a, it's here not for the taking but it's an opportunity that people want to um, avail themselves mm-hmm. of Mm-hmm. And um, people find all sorts of different ways to do that, and I feel that's, you know, that's fine. Um, it's all good. It's really interesting because my mom, you know, and her family obviously are are immigrants, um, but she has a really interesting take. Like I speak about immigration with her sometimes as uh-huh. well, because I mean we have family that have been waiting in some cases for like twenty years for. You know, their turn to come up and sit, mm. you know, for citizenship or um, mm-hmm. visas and um, green cards. But I mean, there's such like a backlog of like Filipinos coming to the United States and they accept such a small amount um, like every year that, um, you know, it's, it's really difficult. And my grandfather, when he passed away, mm-hmm. there was two more like adult sisters that my mom has that are living in the Philippines or were. Um, whose applications just get tossed out and they have to start the process over um, because this, their able, sponsor... Were they able to come to the funeral? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, they had come to the, to the States before, but, you know, just to, to visit. Right, and, yeah. There's know. a difference between getting the tourist visa... And being able to... And yeah, another visa, different here. type of visa, yeah. That's, right. that's more permanent. Um so yeah, she uh, going back to you know my mom is, you know she's a bit more hawkish on you know who should be allowed you know like with illegal immigration and you know like they should wait their turn oh. and come in you know legally interesting and, and yeah thing. even though she I, I know that she knows and probably has facilitated people coming in through like less than legal means you know to to stay in this country, mm. um, but you know just because you're in a minority group doesn't mean you can't also be, you know, uh, um, discriminatory against other minority groups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I am, I'm looking at it from the privilege of having American citizenship and not have, and also, you know, looking Caucasian. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't had those types of, like, um, I mean, maybe I have. Maybe people have discriminated against me. And, you know, I don't know about it. For like a job opportunity But no, or, nothing or that you've noticed but, or recognized. Um, I mean, some things maybe I could say, oh, maybe that person was a little, you know. Huh. Maybe it was because I wasn't, like, white enough or they didn't like me or something. But it's also, you know, I, mean, I could just rub people the wrong way <laughs> um, <laughs> as well. Like, it's, you know, I could have that effect on people. But I guess be, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, yeah. like, I have a different idea of, like, America, because it's something I could take for granted, just because it's, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just something that I didn't have to like work or, you know, yeah. So you're born for. here, so it's you I have all the advantages of it already, mm-hmm. um, and I'm happy to like share share that. I'm like sure, um, 
but then I also I haven't had my like job stolen by an immigrant or something, um, which I don't know what other arguments people use to, yeah. to justify being anti-immigration. What are you fearful about and what are you hopeful for? Just in general. Yeah. Yeah. Could be in general. Fearful about. Um, maybe I'm just really self-centered. A lot of my... I don't spend a lot of time thinking about things I'm afraid of, I think. Uh, when, yeah. I, when I do, they're all personal things. That makes sense. Yeah, about, like, my life. Right. Like, I'm constantly, you know, worried about I'm never going to, uh, you know, figure out what I'm supposed to do with myself mm. or, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like my like my true, like, cause or... You know, some people that are, they're, like, in the third grade, and they grew up, like, singing or acting, and, like, and they, they knew what they were going to do right. their, their whole life. Like, I feel like I've always been kind of, like, searching for um, what I'm doing. And as I'm getting older, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer at what I'm, uh, you know, what I'm supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's a larger fear. I don't have kind of, like, an existential fear mm-hmm. in terms of, my safety or, you know, my culture, um, being diluted or Mm. erased. Um, maybe that's because I, I never felt like I had like a real like identity or culture Mm. and I've always just kind of, um, assumed others. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so then what are you hopeful for? Man, these are some Good questions, Matt. I don't spend a lot of time being hopeful for stuff either. <laughs> my gosh, I'm just concerned about like what I'm eating an for the next meal. Yeah, this is really, really superficial. If you don't person, have an apparently. answer for it, that's okay. Yeah. No, I don't think of that as superficial. It's almost maybe more just practical. Pra- yeah, right. I, just, I can't like, see me on my own nose, or or just if you're worried about what are you going to eat, that's a practical concern. <laughs> right. That's a very very important practical concern. Um, what? A, I'm hopeful for honestly as bad as things are kind of politically right now Mm -hmm. in this country I feel that people are the most engaged and that's different for everybody for some people it's just staring at you know like TV news for 10 hours a day or watching clips and and getting angry. But um, I feel people are, um, it's like I'd never been able to uh, name the secretary of, of, oh, what is that department? Um, It's almost like any of them. You're right. It's like just knowing secretary of state or secretary of defense, all these different government officials that normally we only know the president. I was going to say the EPA, like the oh, whole like, yeah. Scott Pruitt thing, right? Like I could never name like an EPA director or, before Yeah, in my I life. feel the same um, about, like I would never have known the um, Secretary of Education. Right, right yeah. Betsy DeVos. We know her now. Yeah. yeah um, it is interesting. You're right. So, I think there's something about that. what's happening that's making everybody more aware, more engaged and paying attention. Right. Even... I mean, I know when I was in college thinking, like, I don't think I voted until I'd finished college. Like, I had mm-hmm. an absentee ballot that I just never bothered to send in because I was out of state. And mm-hmm. 
I didn't watch television really and I didn't pay attention to a lot of what was happening. Right. Like the World Trade Center was bombed for the first time in the 90s when I was in school and I kind of, I don't remember really hearing about it. Mm-hmm. I obviously wasn't as big of a event as what happened during September 11th, but it, yeah. but it is interesting. I, I feel like that's the moment that got me paying attention more. Mm-hmm. I found myself wanting to listen to NPR daily, mm-hmm. whereas I never did that before. And I always, I just sort of felt like I had to know what was happening right. in this way that I, up until that point, I kind of didn't care. Okay. <laughs> or, or, or just had like, I don't know. It's really interesting what. Because you felt it didn't affect your, your I life. I guess so. I, I mean, I'm not sure if it was what it was. I mean, I would, but I think that seemed to be like, for me, the switch of like, oh, I need to really start paying attention more. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember thinking that on like mm. election night we were yeah. over at, like at a friend's house you know watching the results come in and yeah. obviously everybody was but like Obama's election was and the first one inauguration I ever watched uh-huh. I didn't care to watch an inauguration did you vote in that. in that election yeah okay for him like yeah. I was just sort of it, yeah I was just amazed that it happened like thrilled and amazed that it happened I felt really hopeful that it would happen but I wasn't uh-huh. I also was really kind of skeptical mm-hmm. but yeah so that was the first one that I cared enough to watch the inauguration for we like I teach at Otis College of Art and Design and we had a student in the student lounge they set up they projected it and everybody like students and faculty and staff all gathered and it felt like this really big important community moment Uh different than other elections right yeah man how much do you think that that affected kind of identity politics in the U.S. because it was such a big yeah. event. Well, I feel like we went in this moment where people kept talking about, oh, post-racial, but then I felt like Obama was, like, just because we elected we elected a half-black, half-white president didn't mean we were post-racial. It just, I felt like it, it almost, like, made everything swing in the fact, I feel like there was a lot of racism even in the government that made it so that he couldn't do his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's what got us to where we are now, where mm-hmm. it just had this like swing back to who got elected this time around. Right. Yeah. Just thanks, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to blame him. Is there anything but, else you can think of that well, you? It's wanna... kind of interesting. I mean, speaking about Obama, I mean, yeah. everyone says he's the first black president. Yeah. But he's. Multi-racial. Yeah, people. He's also a white president. If you want to, and it's well. I, mean, I as think much as I feel like I'm half white and half mm-hmm. Filipino, like I wouldn't say if I was elected president, I wouldn't say I'm the first Filipino president because I, I feel like disingenuous. By, and he was raised by his white side of the family, <clears throat> right? And I think a lot of, but because of the history of our country and the whole one percent rule, that if you've got one drop of blood, you're African American blood, you're black. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, right. I, I mean, think that's why people reacted that way. But you're right. Like, he should be recognized for the complexity of who he is, not just one side. Well, I guess it was more that I I'd, I'd be looking at trying to look at it through his mm-hmm. eyes and mm-hmm. like, oh, how would I feel in that situation? Is yeah. like you have this whole weight of you know being african-american yeah um but that's not your entire but I, identity or experience in some ways i get it because so my 
my mom's side of the family are all from Eastern European and they're all Ashkenazi Jews, but my father's side are mostly English and French Canadian, mostly French Canadian and Catholic. But I don't really know that side of the family, so I, and I grew up with my, just my mom and her parents and I feel, and my sister, and I feel like I've always felt more connected to my mom's side of the family. And even though I look more like my dad's side of the family, mm-hmm. like I found someone sent me a photo for some family reunion that we weren't invited to because they didn't even know about us, but I found it later and they mm-hmm. sent me a, this photo and everybody was blonde mm. and blue eyed. And I was like, whoa, like my mom's hair is, was really dark and curly before it went gray like mm-hmm. but like ringlet curly like everybody has the stereotypical big jewish nose mm-hmm. and i my sister and i don't look like them very much mm-hmm. and so and then i have this french last name jackwis they i i don't know how to pronounce it but in in buffalo <laughs> new york everybody said jackwis and i'm sure it was shaki or something i didn't uh-huh. learn french but i so i sort of can understand this weirdness of like your being mixed cultures but only really knowing one culture so ident- like I feel mm-hmm. like I identify more with the Ashkenazi Jewish side even though I'm not religious and I'm atheist but mm-hmm. other people perceive me as, as French right that's the other part of because of what it. I look like in my last name mm-hmm. I mean that's part of your like cultural experience as yeah. well as yeah. how, how people see you and treat you yeah right. so um, yeah I mean if people see you as being black and you and treat you you know that way or they see you as being more white you know you get a different kind of like life experience yeah that identity is both how you feel and how one the other perceives you yeah. which is a really complex right conundrum kind of and yeah and so that's where i'm at <laughs> as yeah. well and, and have always been um because and yeah i, I just enjoy exploring that area as well squishy you know gray yeah area of like race and and culture in a lot of ways i feel like that is that sort of squishiness and complexity is american to right. me that mm. there i can never think of what's um if there's something that's american beyond, like that that's singular it feels more pluralistic to me mm-hmm. And a lot about this, and that a lot of us are hybrids. Sure, yeah. And I mean, that whole, like, Ancestry.com stuff that's going on. I've never on. done it, but I, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It seems ridiculous to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more actually, like, concerned about the, the, like, underlying conspiracy theorist in me is, like, I don't think I need the government to have access to all of that. Sure. And then I also have this little fear of with the current government and the the connections to white supremacists and the and the and like Breitbart and all of that. I feel like do I want the government to know my DNA has Ashkenazi Jews in it? Uh-huh. Like that maybe that's it puts me in danger yeah and i'd hate to think that it, we'd come to that but i have that underlying fear a little bit although that company isn't necessarily the government no but if the government can subpoena subpoena yeah, yeah that's how i feel about it that it, that it's out there it's out there i mean it's out there it's in my medical records anyway right. like so it doesn't 
but yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with those those tests just in general. It's fascinating. Though. The the best the best thing I can think of though is you get someone like some like white supremacist do one of those tests and find out they're like a quarter African American yes. or yes. something. That's like the the only kind of like exactly exactly upside I can see to the you know yeah those DNA tests of this little shot of Freud and you're like oh that'd be awesome. Just shows like. Yeah, I mean, race is just the construct, right? Like, we're just all kind of people. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if those things reinforce that or, you know, or reinforce, like, the, the stereotypes or make us feel all connected. I, I think the jury's kind of still out on that. You mean if the DNA the, tests? The, the, those DNA mm-hmm. tests. I, I feel like it's kind of, or at least the way it's marketed is to, like, help people who think they're just white feel more interesting and like oh look I'm actually from seven different European countries like I had no idea cool I could go visit like Italy now you know (laughs) because I have some like Tuscan genes or something Um, but maybe I'm just being cynical (laughs) that's really great but yeah I would love for like someone from the KKK to do it and find out that they're not as pure as they think they are right maybe they should do that just as a test and then kick everybody else out. They're going to end up with like two guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Black Klansman last night. I really so want to see that. On, on the I, tip of my mind. Yeah, I yeah. haven't, but I, I want to see that. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's it's sad. Yeah. Um, and frightening, you know. But it's a good story. Yeah. Is there anything else you can think of that you want to talk about today? Um. No, not really. I don't know if we, we covered or touched on any of the, all the topics or... I think so, yeah. A few of them. There's something in there you could use, hopefully. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing your story and, and participating in this project. Yeah, well, thanks. This was really great. For letting me... Yeah. Awesome. Letting me do it.